Healthcare is rapidly changing. Innovative technologies and new treatment paradigms are changing the way we tackle the world's pervasive health issues. I'm Alex Godan with Oxner Health in New Orleans, Louisiana. Join me as we go inside Louisiana's largest healthcare system, where we discuss new ideas in confronting these healthcare challenges. We talk to thought leaders and healthcare experts to explore the latest innovations in patient care. Welcome to Innovation Health. According to the Pew Research Center, only 42% of our black population say they are willing to get the current COVID-19 vaccine. In this episode, we try to learn more about this hesitancy among our black community and take a deeper dive into understanding the vaccine itself. Is it safe? Why should people consider getting it? I talk with one of Oxner Health's senior black physicians, Dr. Obina Naidu, who specializes in infectious disease. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Naidu. Um, I'd like to start out and just have you tell everyone kind of what your role is at Oshner and, and what you practice here. Yes, I'm an infectious disease physician here at uh, Oshner. Um, I have a couple of roles. Um, one is in education. I'm the program director for the infectious disease training program at Oshner. Um, <clears throat> I also direct the travel clinic at Oshner as well. And then I'm a physician. I see patients. So what has your um, work within the COVID pandemic been this past year? So I've, um, in addition to seeing patients with COVID um, in the hospital, I was also um, privileged and fortunate to serve on a advisory committee to uh, the COVID uh, prevention network, specifically as it relates to the vaccine trials, trying to get more uh, minority groups, uh, African-American uh, uh, uh uh, well, people from the African-American community to take part in the vaccine trials. And I was able to sit with a group of other uh, African-American physicians and scientists to provide advice to try to get more people from the African-American community to be part of the clinical trials. And so I've that um, work was very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and also taking care of patients with COVID has been both rewarding as well as sometimes uh, depressing as well. So in your work doing these vaccine trials, have you seen some pretty significant disparities within acceptance of the vaccine or trust and concerns of the vaccine across various populations? And could you tell us a little bit about that? Correct. So, um, you know, Oshner served as a uh, trial site for two of the vaccine candidates. And, you know, we worked really aggressively to try to reach out to the community to get uh, people to participate. It was really important that in understanding if these vaccines work, uh, we have good representation as far as people involved in in the trials. And of course, there was a lot of hesitancy um, initially, um, but we were able to reach out particularly to church groups and kind of go uh, work with them. And I think one key thing that I learned is that it's important to identify people from these communities who are trusted in these communities, reach out to them, engage with them, and then um, uh, reach out to to uh, to people um, th- through them. Essentially, um, you know, the trials have are still ongoing. Individuals who were recruited are still being followed. Obviously, we have preliminary data showing that the vaccines are safe and are effective in the short term. And so the next phase now is actually getting people, um, you know, to be accepting of, of getting the vaccine. 
And so, you know, we talk about these vaccine uptake <clears throat> efforts, and I, I want to read a quote from um, a survey by the NAACP that they recently did, and they talk about how critical it is to directly confront and address the deep historical traumas that have led to and are continuing to lead to distrust in the healthcare system among African Americans. And I know that, unfortunately, there is a dark past there. We, we look at things like the Tuskegee syphilis experiment or, or Henrietta Lacks, and it's understandable that there are some real concerns. And having that educational piece and that reassuring piece, I imagine, is important, as well as transparency. So as a physician, how do you think healthcare as a system can best reach these communities with that in mind? Yeah, I think, um, and I just want to say, it's it's not just the Tuskegee experiments or um, Henrietta Lacks. Mm -hmm. There's multiple um, incidents in history where our government has simply, through either actual legislation or through certain actions, has um, left the African-American community behind. And I think there is just a general distrust of, of government. And, you know, and obviously government has been encouraging this vaccine. And so I think, you know, one important thing is to understand the distrust, not to minimize it, not to downplay it, um, understand it, have a conversation with, with individuals, make sure that the right information is getting out to individuals. But I think really, really key is to not minimize or downplay or write off the, the uh, caution that people have, the distrust that people have of healthcare, but rather to respect it and always offer uh, correct, accurate information. And I, I like that you kind of speak of acknowledging it very upfront because even outside of COVID and outside of the vaccine, I mean, we look at, you know, disparities and outcomes for childbirth among different communities. And even, again, I believe the COVID hospitality or mortality rate was, was it double or triple for our Black community. So, you know, I like that the conversation more is, Let's acknowledge these things and be transparent about it instead of acting like this doesn't exist because these are valid concerns. And for me, it's it's really important because, um, you know, the truth is our community was hit really hard um, by COVID, um, just as you mentioned, um, both in terms of hospitalizations, in terms of deaths. Um, that's across the board. But locally here in Louisiana, in New Orleans, our community was hit really hard. I think a lot of us know people who were impacted by COVID, either through death or through prolonged hospitalization and so forth. And so it, it's really important um, for me in terms of the work that I do uh, to reach out to my community, reach out to the Black community, uh, speak to them. I was very excited when I heard about the, this this podcast. But speak to them about the vaccine and other prevention and uh, uh, mechanisms because I think it's really important that people get correct information about the vaccines, correct information about its efficacy, about side effects. Um, and I think it's very important that people get correct information about other preventative steps that they can take to, to keep themselves safe. So what would you say are the top three concerns that you've seen people have about this vaccine? I think all of them kind of tie into one historic distrust of healthcare. Some of it, it relates to how quickly the vaccine came up. Uh, some of it relates to the fact that there are other illnesses that have been around for some time and we don't have vaccines for them. How is it that we came up with the vaccine for uh, for COVID as, as quickly? Mm -hmm. um, there's a feeling that certain steps were skipped. 
there's a feeling that we're going to be used as guinea pigs and so forth. And so these are all things that I've, I've, I've heard. Um, and I, I always, first of all, I always try to, again, understand and respect the, the concerns. Um, yes, the vaccine was developed quickly compared to other vaccines, but all the steps that a vaccine will take in order to eventually get approval were followed. That includes first, um, identifying the need for the vaccine. Second, um, coming up with appropriate candidate vaccines. Third, testing it in animals first to make sure that the animals respond the way you intended them to, to respond, make sure it's safe in the animal. Fourth, testing it on a small group of people first to make sure that it's safe. Then testing it on a slightly larger group of people to make sure that not just it's safe, but that it triggers the right immune response. And then thousands and thousands and thousands of people were recruited in terms of the phase three clinical trial, giving us a lot of information in terms of what side effects might be there and is it does it actually work. And so it essentially followed all of these basic steps. And I try to assure people and you know, along the way that the data is being presented. And so as an infectious disease doctor, I certainly wouldn't recommend anyone get a vaccine if it didn't follow the proper mm -hmm. steps. And I certainly won't get the vaccine myself if it didn't follow the right steps and if, if I didn't believe it to be safe. Would you say there was sufficient representation of minority populations in our trials? Correct, there was. Um, somewhere around nine to 10% of individuals in the trials were African-Americans, I can speak to that. And so, um, and there was a really strong effort um, to recruit um, African-Americans, um, Latinos, and indigenous Americans, recognizing that these groups have been disproportionately hit by, by the COVID uh, pandemic. And healthcare in general. And healthcare in general, absolutely. So let's talk through how exactly the vaccine works just to help everyone understand and really feel like they have a, a solid knowledge of what happens to their body when they get the vaccine. Correct. So, you know, um, we have different vaccine platforms. The basic thrust of what they do is you want the body to be able to recognize the coronavirus should the body be exposed to it and get rid of it really quickly. That's basically what you want. You want your immune system to get rid of the virus quickly or at a minimum to keep you from getting really sick if the virus were to really kind of enter in, into your system. So the you know the first two vaccines that uh, have received FDA approval, the mRNA vaccines, I think there's been some concern that this is new and, and so forth. The truth is mRNA has been around for a while and people have been looking at it for vaccines for quite some time. It's not actually that new. Um, and we have safety data on it. And over the years, we, we've developed information on how to store it, how to transport it. And what these vaccines do, I think another misconception is that these mRNA vaccines are somehow gene therapy and it's altering our genome. I just want to be clear that it does not do any such thing. When the mRNA is injected into the body, it stays in a very separate compartment from the human DNA. In that compartment, the basic code is red and a protein that is basically very similar to the COVID uh, virus protein is, is produced. Once that happens, the mRNA actually vanishes. It's destroyed. It doesn't stay in the body. And so what you're left with is this COVID protein, which the immune system sees, 
-hmm. recognizes, and then the immune system gets rid of that protein. So both the mRNA and the protein are now gone, but your immune system has a way of remembering what it's been exposed to. So it remembers this protein. And so if ever the coronavirus gets into the body, it would remember the protein on the coronavirus, and then it'll work to keep us safe. So we've, we've talked briefly earlier about, you know, the disparities in equity in healthcare for general things, you know, with the mortality, with the hospitalizations. What about with the efficacies of this vaccine? Have they found any differences in efficacies among different ethnicities? It's, it's been proven to be effective across the board. So who <clears throat> would you say needs to get this vaccine and why? Just older people, younger people, pregnant mother, you know, what would you say, who is the person that says, I will stand up and get this vaccine? Well, everyone really needs to get the, the vaccine. Um, <clears throat> right now, in terms of the trials, we have information for, for people older than 16, people older than 18 years of age. We're in the process of getting information as far as children. Um, so certainly everyone above those ages, you know, should get the vaccine. Now, because of limitations in terms of production um, and and need, um, you know, we've started a phased approach, trying to vaccinate high risk individuals first, um, individuals over than 70, 65, healthcare workers, frontline um, uh, essential workers. So we're trying to vaccinate people at high risk of exposure and people at high risk of severe disease initially, but. Um, I think what we're hearing is probably by late spring just going to be much more um, available vaccine. And I certainly think everyone should try to get it. And so when we do have this higher rate of accessibility and, and mm -hmm. hopefully, again, the goal is a strong level of information, education and transparency. When people are getting this vaccine, what can they expect in terms of side effects? That's correct. So. What we've seen the most common with the first vaccine is some pain in the shoulder at the local site, um, usually with the first dose. Um, and we've seen that fairly commonly. A lot of people have some pain, maybe a little bit of swelling. That usually goes away in about one to two days. Um, that was certainly something that was picked up in the clinical trials. And we're certainly seeing that as people are getting vaccinated. Um, with the second dose, uh, some a subset of people may get body aches, maybe mm -hmm. some low-grade temperatures. Again, usually that will last for no more than one to two days, and then will kind of go away um, on its own. What we've noticed is that people younger than 55 years of age are a little bit higher risk of getting those body aches and low-grade fevers. Um, those above the age of 55 seem to be a lot less likely to to get that. And just to really you know, clarify, why is the body reacting that way? I know some people could could think like, oh, this vaccine is supposed to be helping me. Why would it make me feel bad? If we could just talk a little bit about, is that a normal response from the body? It's an immune response. It means your immune system is responding to the vaccine and eventually will make that immune memory that'll keep you safe. Um, you know, we've seen this with some other vaccines, you know, certain other vaccines, for instance, the shingles vaccine, um, we know causes pain in the shoulders in a good subset of people that, that get it. Um, the flu vaccine, um, a small subset of people that get the flu vaccine get body aches when they get it, usually lasts no more than one to two days. Um, so certain vaccines can certainly have some side effects. Again, these are short term, usually one, no more than two days, uh, everything uh, clears away. So we look at the side effects of this vaccine, and I, I know you mentioned 
one of the biggest concerns is just that level of not knowing what happens to you in the long term after taking this vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, are there is there a history of this ever happening? You know, a, a, su- a surprise side effect, long term side effect from a vaccine in the past, or or is there? real concern there? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, There is no history of a vaccine causing a long-term side effect uh, beyond four to six weeks. And so, and we followed these individuals um, in the clinical trials for longer than that period of time. And so that's why I can feel relatively confident in saying that there will be no long-term side effects. It's just based on how the immune system works um, and based on our knowledge of historically of how vaccines work. Um, So in a nutshell, um, historically vaccines beyond six weeks really don't see any effects in terms of side effects related to to the vaccines. And so that's why I can be relatively confident in saying that. All that being said, the people who were enrolled in the clinical trials are being followed for up to two years. Oh, wow. And so more information will be collected. You also have a lot of people, thousands and thousands and thousands of people in America who are signing up, getting the vaccine, will also get information from them as well. And so there's a whole huge, robust amount of information that we'll be able to get. And so as there's new vaccines coming out, would you say that all of them are doing their due diligence to have an appropriate representation of participants in their clinical trials? Correct. Absolutely. So um, in the U.S., there was the um, Coronavirus Prevention Network, and there were about five vaccine candidates that were under that. And all of them were, I mean, there was a huge push, I can say, from the National Institutes of Health, um, from those of us who served on advisory committees to ensure that um, that there was representation as far as the recruitment. I will say that in the early going, it was slow. But I think when there was uh, knowledge that, okay, we're really not meeting, we're really not recruiting enough people, there was a lot of effort to open recruitment sites in communities of, of color. And so certainly with those, that was the case. Uh, Pfizer was, uh, the Pfizer vaccine was a little bit outside of the, of the uh, coronavirus prevention network. And they certainly made a very strong effort to as well make sure that they recruit African-Americans, Latinos, and indigenous Americans as well. As we wrap up, I just want to kind of ask one last question, which is, in your opinion, what can we as either a health system, as individuals do to help vaccination uptake across our communities, or even if you have just a message to those listening? Yeah, no, I think my message is that, you know, the data shows that these vaccines are safe. Um, there's been a lot of concerns, not just about short-term side effects, but about long-term side effects. Mm-hmm. And what we know about vaccines is generally there are no long-term side effects. And we know what the short-term side effects are with these vaccines. And so they are safe. Um, they are effective based on the data we have in people that have been followed up to this point. And so it's really, really important. You know, our communities have been hit really hard. Um, New Orleans has been hit very hard directly and indirectly in terms of the fact that we have to shut down the city or close down certain things Mm -hmm. in order to keep ourselves safe. And so I'd really encourage everyone, um, if you have questions, reach out to your provider. Um, Your provider um, can certainly reach out to infectious disease if they have questions. And we're always happy to answer questions at at any time. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Nadu, for that important information as we all kind of work together to reach the end of this COVID pandemic. But certainly, you know, your message of education and transparency is, is vital. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. As the vaccine rollout continues and we continue to get overwhelmed with information, I hope that our conversation with trusted expert, Dr. Nadu, helped open the door for hard questions people may have in your community ease some of your fears surrounding the vaccine, and shed light on the facts and safety of taking it. Let's all do our part and make sure our family, neighbors, and friends have the facts to make the best decision for them. For more information on when the vaccines will be available and how to receive it, visit oxner.org vaccine. Thanks again for joining me on this episode. I am Alex Godin, and I'll see you next time on Innovation Health.